I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Faith is trust without reservation. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Hey folks, I am back. I was gone for a little bit because I was sick for about 10 days. Had one of those head cold, chest cold things that have been going around and I was kind of on my back for a little bit. But I am back and I want to thank you for your patience in waiting. But we're ready to go for another Things Above podcast. There are so many things that I love about the Bible, but one of them is how consistent it is that as you study from Genesis to Revelation, you see certain kinds of patterns that work together. And that really helps me to make sense of things. And today I want to talk about patterns of two words we use all the time, faith and sin. Because there are some noticeable patterns that you see throughout the scripture. And when you understand what faith really is, what sin really is, you see that there is this consistent kind of pattern and how those two things are actually related. The children of Israel wandered. They were led out of Egypt, out of captivity, and they were promised that they would enter into the promised land. But along the way, there were all kinds of struggles and setbacks, times when they didn't have enough food, times when they didn't have enough water. They didn't think, oh, wow, this is easy. God's going to be with us. God is going to make this path smooth. There were challenges along the way, just like in your life and in mine. In Exodus 17, there's the story of the people of Israel who were lacking water. They'd gotten to this place they were journeying in through, literally called the wilderness of sin, Exodus 17, 1 through 7. And in that passage, we read about how the people quarreled with Moses. They were grumbling, saying, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt just to die here in the desert? So Moses went to the Lord and said, what am I going to do with these people? And once again, God said, hey, Here's what I want you to do. And he said, go to this particular place. I'm going to take you to this particular rock, the rock at Horeb. And I want you to take your staff, the same one that you had when I liberated the people from Egypt. I remember when you touched the Nile and the Nile went to undrinkable water. Take that same staff, go strike this rock at Horeb. And when you strike the rock, water will come out. So Moses takes the elders of Israel didn't take everybody, but took just the elders with them and struck the rock and water came out overflowing. And Moses says in Exodus 17, 7, he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? That's a great question. Is the Lord among us or not? And I think Moses said it 
somewhat with tongue in cheek, like, guys, is the Lord among us or not? Because he's been with us. He's been with us. Moses was trying to teach them something that he'd been teaching them, and that is God is with us. God has promised us. God has been reminding us all along the way. He showed up here. He showed up here. But then there are challenges, just like your life, just like my life. We know that God is with us. We've had experiences of that. But then we enter into some situation, some struggle, some challenge. We think, oh, is God still here? I love what Donald Olson said about that passage in Exodus 17 about the Israelites. He said, they forgot that it was the living God who wished to bring them out of slavery. They forgot that it was the living God who protected them during the plagues in Egypt. They forgot that it was the living God who opened the sea for them and then closed it on their enslavers. They forgot that the living God led them with a pillar of cloud and fire. But what they remembered was idolatry. What a great way to put that. They forgot that God had been with them. And what happens is when you forget God, when you leave God out, when you have a wrong view of who God is, you then turn to idolatry, creating something in its place, which is exactly what they did. So, I want to talk about faith and sin today. What is faith? What is faith? Sometimes we think, well, faith is trying to believe something you don't really believe, but if you just grit your teeth and try hard enough, maybe you'll believe it. That's not a good definition of faith, and it's not a biblical one. Here's what faith is. Faith is an extension of knowledge based on knowledge. Faith is an extension of knowledge based on knowledge. So we have knowledge of something. We, we know how something works. And then faith is extending that knowledge into the next moment. That's how it works. So I have knowledge, and that's based on the past. For example, the people of Israel had knowledge. God was with us here. God was with us there. Remember when God was with us there? Okay, that's knowledge. And then faith is an extension of that knowledge based on the knowledge. So based on the fact that I know God has been with me in the past, by faith I believe God will be with me in the present. And then by faith, I believe that God will be with me in the future, and that's what hope is. So faith is an extension of knowledge based on knowledge. This is really important because we have to understand what the nature of faith is, and then we can also understand what the nature of sin is because sin is its opposite. Sin, then, is an extension of ignorance based on ignorance. We forget. We forget. That's what the Israelites had done there in the desert. They'd forgotten, hey, God's not with us anymore. What are you going to do about this, Moses? Wait, no, God has been. It was an extension of ignorance. They forgot. And that's why sin at its core is distrust. Distrusting God and trusting in something else, usually ourselves, and that ends in disaster. So the way I like to put it is this. Sin forgets. Faith remembers. Sin forgets. We forget all the things that God has done, all the promises, all the times that God was with us and provided for us and did the things that we needed when we needed it. Sin forgets all that and thinks, no, now I've got to do this my way. Sin forgets that Jesus was telling the truth every time he spoke. Sin forgets that and says, well, I don't know if that's really right. But faith remembers 
faith remembers all that God has done, every time God, that God was with us, God's faithfulness, sin forgets, but faith remembers. My colleague here at Friends University, Dr. Stan Harstein, he's our Bible professor, and he uh, shared with me this really brilliant insight into the nature of faith and sin. And he put it this way. He said, faith begins in a belief, a thought. Okay, So you, again, there's based on knowledge. So we say, well, God is with me on the basis of what? Well, because God has been with me. Okay, so there's a belief. I believe that God is with me. Then belief moves into trust or dependence. So it goes from a thought to dependence. I believe that God is with me. Now I trust in that. I'm depending on that. And then it ends in obedience or action. So faith moves from belief to trust to obedience. And this is what's so brilliant. Then, Dr. Harstein said, but think about sin. Sin begins in disbelief, a false narrative, moves to distrust, which is independence, and then results in disobedience, which is the, the action. So you've got a thought that moves into an action, and in both cases, you have a very similar pattern. So belief goes to trust, goes to obedience. That's faith. Sin begins in disbelief, goes to distrust, and ends in disobedience. And here's what I thought was so fascinating about Dr. Harstein's insight into this. He said, when we think about faith, we almost always focus on the belief part. We say, well, you know, what do you believe? Do you have the right beliefs about God? Are your, uh, is your systematic theology right? Do you have the creeds right? Do you believe the right things about God? But then we don't put the emphasis on trust and obedience. We sort of stay at the belief level. But at the belief level, it doesn't really do anything. The belief has to move into trust and then into obedience. Conversely, when it comes to sin, we look at the action as most important. The disobedience, the, the actual act is what's most important. So when someone does something wrong, think of a little kid that does something bad in school and they go before the principal. And what are they going to say? Well, what did you actually do? And then that's the focus. The focus is on what that child did. You said something mean to a classmate. Okay, so it's, it's the action is what they're accountable for. So when it comes to sin, we look at the action. But what Dr. Harstein was pointing out is think about this. Really, the emphasis should be on the beginning of that, the disbelief, the distrust. Not so much the action. The action was just the fruit of that. So you see, when you have this in the right way, you say, well, faith is important, but you know what? Faith is only important if it ends up in obedience, in trust and obedience. And when it comes to sin, it's not so much the action. We need to be more concerned about, when did I quit trusting? Where was that false idea that got into my mind that led to that action ultimately? I just think it's a really great insight been thinking about it for the last few months. So faith begins in a belief, a true narrative. So let's just think about some. These are definitely thoughts from above. How about Psalm 23, verse 1? Very well known. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
Well, that's a belief, isn't it? That's a belief that God is like a good shepherd. He looks at me. He knows my needs. He provides what I need when I need it. The Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's a belief. But then it has to move into trust. Trust, that second part. So Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. What a classic verse that is, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Now I need to trust in that. That's when faith really comes to light. And then it's made real in action. It's made real in action. Then we do something to allow God to work. Now, in my experience, quite often what that's going to entail is waiting. That's when faith becomes really real. As we're facing a challenge, we then say, well, um, is God, am I going to wait for God to do this or am I going to do this myself? We think, well, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to use my own cleverness, my own resources to make this happen. When in fact, what God really wants for us to do is to wait, to wait. Because waiting gives God a chance to do something. There is a pattern that works throughout Scripture. And I I learned this first from Richard J. Foster. He gave a talk where he talked about a pattern within the Bible that you can see very clearly, not only in the characters in the Bible, but also in our own lives. And he put it this way. He calls it promise, problem, provision. Promise, problem, provision. And then Dr. Foster walked us through in this talk, I've never forgotten, various characters within the Bible. So, for example, Abraham. What's the promise? You will be the father of many nations. Look up at the stars, Abe. See them? Countless, right? That's just like your descendants. Okay, that's the promise. What's the problem? Well, they were barren this. He and Sarah could not have children. And what did... Abraham do. After a while, he went, well, I'm going to solve this myself. I have this maidservant, Hagar, and we'll just go ahead and have child with Hagar. And here comes Ishmael. And God was displeased. God said, I promised you. And then in old age, here comes God through the angels, come visit Abraham and Sarah, said, you're going to bear a child. And they're like, we're in our 90s. This is no way. And then she gets pregnant, has the child, and they name the child Isaac, because Isaac means laughter, because they just couldn't believe. Promise, problem, provision. Moses, who I've already mentioned, promised to Moses, you're going to liberate God's people. You're going to be the liberator, Moses. Problem, well, I'm a stutterer, and um, oh, and I did murder that guy back in the day, and so I do have that on my record. I'm not the guy to be the liberator of the people. This isn't going to work. But then, provision. God says, no, you, you don't, but I do. God can, you can't persuade Pharaoh, but I can. You can't rescue these people, but I can through you. Promise, problem, provision. And I already mentioned the children of Israel. There they are wandering, right? What was the promise? I will lead you to the promised land. Problem? We're stuck in the wilderness. There's not enough food. Oh, well, then what's God going to do? Manna, the quails God sends in the evening. Here's food. 
There's not enough water. Oh, go strike the rock at the at Mount Horeb. You can go do that. Yeah, okay. There's water. And then eventually provision. They enter the promised land. It goes on and on, even in the New Testament. What about Mary? The promise. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. Problem. I don't have a husband. Provision. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. It just keeps going on and on. Peter, you're, I'm, I'm going to build my church on you. Problem. Peter denies Jesus. Provision. Jesus comes back and restores him after the resurrection. Promise to Paul, you're going to be the apostle of the Gentiles. Problem. Actually, no, I've been persecuting the church. I'm not the guy to do this. Well, I'll, I'll make it happen. And he did. And Paul did it because of God's provision. Promise, problem, provision. But the key is in the waiting. You have to let God in. You have to give God a chance to act. I think particularly in this day and age, we need a theology of sufficiency. To really know that God knows our needs before we know our needs. That God, God is answering our prayers before we even ask them. That question in Exodus 17.7 that I began with, is the Lord among us or not? That's the crux of the matter. Is the Lord among us or not? Faith says, well, he has been with me. He has not failed me yet. Sin says, well, I don't think so. I'm going to do this on my own. That's the challenge for each of us. But I believe what Paul said is true in Ephesians 3.20. God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, beyond what we can ask or imagine. God can. I want to close with a quote from Elton Trueblood. I've loved reading his works through the years. He was a Quaker professor, writer, intellectual, just a brilliant, brilliant man. But he put it this way. Faith is not belief without proof. Faith is trust without reservation. That bears repeating. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation, a Bachelor of Arts degree, that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. Again, ApprenticeInstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. 
It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>